Hi guys, and welcome to episode 10 of Beginning Again with Leanna Tankersley. I am reporting live right now from Orcas Island, Washington. And as you probably have heard me talk about, um, my dear friend, Elaine Hamilton and I uh, have been um, working on this amazing retreat for 18 women um, this weekend, uh, and it's finally here, and we are in Orcas, and we're really excited. We've spent the last two days kind of prepping and getting ready, and um, so we're looking forward to this incredible weekend. But for today's episode, in honor of this first inaugural um, retreat in Orcas, I wanted to go back to a conversation Elaine and I recorded actually in late June. So it was a few months ago, and I was at Elaine's house in San Diego, and we were sitting at her dining room table, and we were talking, we were having a very honest conversation about loss and life after loss. Um, as you're going to find out in the conversation, Elaine lost her husband earlier this year. And so she and I have been kind of both walking the path of, um, of grief and loss and what does life look like and what does our identity look like when we go through these journeys. And so we sat down and had a really honest conversation with each other for her podcast. Elaine is the um, founder and director of the Soul Care House in San Diego, California. It's a practice of marriage and family therapists, and it's an extraordinary place. And so she asked me if I would come and talk with her about loss for her podcast. And at the end of the episode, we talk about um, looking forward to this retreat. And and now we're here. And I just thought I wanted to um, honor that conversation and the journey that she and I have both been on and share that with you, um, with my listeners. And so um, you're going to get to hear that podcast and that episode. And um, I just hope that this is um, a really helpful conversation for you guys, and especially for those of you who are walking through um, a, a difficult season where you're trying to navigate, who am I now that my the landscape of my life has changed so much? So um, I, I hope that you enjoy this conversation with Elaine and with me, and that you can find yourself in our stories and your own journey in our stories. Okay. I haven't been here for a while podcasting. It's been, I don't know, six, eight months maybe. And um, as some of you may know, if you follow us on Instagram, my husband was diagnosed with cancer in December and passed away in April. And so I've been uh, really just in, in that period of time, just uh, being with him, doing that process and... Um, all of that and I'm just sort of now getting back to soul care and um, trying to figure out life as we move forward and um, I thought it would actually be helpful to me to talk about it a little bit. Um, Leanna Tankersley is sitting with me today at my dining room table. Hi friends. Always my favorite. So um, I thought it might be helpful for her and I to talk about life after a big loss as she's processing her own loss um, moving through the divorce and all of that that's going on for her. And um, so we thought we would just try to talk about what we're learning through the process, what's helping us, what isn't helping us, how it's impacting the way we see ourselves and life moving forward. And and then also, what are some of our strategies that are like helping us get through the day? Because we, we've both discovered that like we need some serious strategies. Yeah so that we're not losing it all the time. So that's what we're going to talk about. 
Yeah, grief is intense, right? And um, it affects our lives in so many different ways. Our bodies, our ability to think clearly. Mm -hmm. I think that's been such a surprise for me this year, the last couple years, is how loss makes its way into the strangest pockets of our lives. It's not just um, like in this space over here of just an experience or a relationship. It's like it just kind of, it's... You, you, some days your body hurts, mm-hmm. you know, some days you, for the life of you, like the other day, I'm trying to give somebody my cell phone number and for the <laughs> life of me, I cannot remember the last four digits of my own cell phone number. Right, right. It's like, what is going on? And it's, it's just that, um, loss is a real thing Yeah, and it makes its way into a lot of corners of our lives. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, we just want to, um, talk with you guys about that. Cause like a lot of people are experiencing a lot of different kinds of losses right. in their lives. Right. right? And for us, it's been so helpful to process this loss, our, each of our individual losses together, and mm-hmm. to kind of normalize or validate some of the some of the things that are happening. Right. And then and just talk about that. So. Right. Yeah, I I agree. I feel like it's been so important for me to be able to ask the people who love me and know me, um, does this make sense? Does this sound crazy? Should I be doing this? Should I not? Like people act, actually helping me think, right? Like mm-hmm. helping me figure out what to do. And and then also running my feelings by them because I don't know. My feelings are all over the place. And so it's really helpful to have somebody who knows me and someone I trust to bounce that off and say, does that sound nuts to you? Yeah. And, yeah. Um, so <laughs> it's just been really helpful to have other voices. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense for what you're going through. And um, I hope that... Our conversation today might do that for some of you who might be wondering, you know, are are you losing it? Does this make sense? Do your feelings make sense? Do your reactions make sense? And is your process okay? Right? So I think um, that's our hope in having this conversation um, in this episode is that it, it might create support for others yeah. who are dealing with losses. And everyone copes in a little bit different ways, right? Everyone walks through loss in a little bit different ways. So I don't know that this is like... Are you doing it right? Or are you doing it wrong? You know, mm-hmm. but it's just it's some some things that will hopefully help. Um, things that we've talked about that will hopefully help a person say, "Okay, am I moving through this? Am I moving through this?" Um, and yeah, yeah. How? So let's, the support I need. Right. So let's talk about what has helped and what has not helped. One thing that has helped me is. Um, really focusing on taking care of my body over the last, especially focusing on that this last year. Mm-hmm. Um, and regular exercise, because I think um, I just, I, I've held so many different emotions and so many intense emotions throughout this, um, throughout this process and this loss that moving my body regularly and even at times um, pushing my body for me, you know, lifting heavy weights or or running or working out a little bit harder for me to wring out some of those big feelings. Mm -hmm. And then there's, there's also been days where I just needed to do some gentle stretching or, but getting my body going, um, Mm -hmm. because my body has been, um, tired or it's been, um, I've, I've just, or it's been, it's hurt in places. And so getting my body strong this year has also been kind of an empowering thing for me having muscles, mm, yeah, yeah, you know, literal muscles I can see has mm-hmm. helped and me. And I can see them too. <laughs> <laughs> They're pretty, pretty spectacular. No, it, it, it's helped me feel like I actually have muscles, mm-hmm. quote unquote, 
to go through yeah, this. Yeah. And um, that's been helpful. That's one thing. Yeah. Um, I, I probably could share a few others, but um, yeah. really focusing on my body and, and um, how my body, because my body is going to be the thing that carries me through this. Right. So what does it need? Yeah. And I think, um, you know, it's interesting as I, as I was listening to you talk about that, I was thinking, gosh, for me, it's kind of, it was kind of the opposite. Like I'm, I'm the experience of being with someone as they're dying is so overwhelming that there is no space for you to take care of yourself. Right. Like that was the thing that, um, was super loud. Like, um, when Ken was first diagnosed, um, I think, you know, I was certainly feeling like, gosh, there's so much progress being made with cancer and people get in remission every day. And so we're just going to work our asses off and we're going to, we're going to do all the things. We're going to do chemo. We're going to do a clinical trial. We're going to get a naturopath on board and we're going to take all the supplements and we're going to eat really great. And, um, so I shifted really into like this high gear of like, we're in, we're in crisis mode and it's going to take everything we've got. And, um, so it was very much for, you know, maybe I guess four, four months, it was pretty solidly about all of that. And, um, and we're going to fix this. We're going to fix we're this. We're all focused on fixing yes. it. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I would hear, hear myself say things like, I, you know, I'd hear myself almost trying to promise to my kids, I'm going to save your dad. Mm. I'm going to save your dad. Oh, That's my job as your yeah. mom to save your dad. Right. And, um, really having having to work that out obviously with talking with friends about like can you actually save him no actually you you're mm-hmm. not in charge of that but um really sort of the intensity of uh there's a lot of things we got to do to give ourselves the best shot here mm-hmm. and this is not a time to lie down this is not mm-hmm. a time to think about yourself this is a time to like we're in full gear and so I think I'm just sort of coming out of that, mm-hmm. obviously, now. But <clears throat> it's clear that there's been, you know, a lot of damage to my body um, because of all of that, because of the not sleeping and the <clears throat> not eating and the, you know, just the intensity around that. And, you know, for others that are going through this, I don't. <clears throat> um, I think one of the things I've been hearing myself say to my kids as well as to myself is like, you know, we've not only lost your dad, we've actually been traumatized, mm-hmm. right? Like this experience mm. was traumatic um, because it was so fast and it was so aggressive and we were so powerless to help him. And we watched him deteriorate day, day after day. And the terror of watching someone you love disappear from themselves, disappear from you, be in that amount of pain. He was in terrible amount of pain, especially near the end. And um, just watching that process was, it was it was honestly terrifying all the time. And there were many times when me and the kids were sobbing and, you know, and we'd have to call a friend to say, can you, you know, I call my friend Debbie so many times just sobbing and saying, can you please come over? I can't think. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. Because he was, you know, he went from, a clinical trial to the doctor saying, this isn't working. You're actually, your cancer keeps growing and you're actually not well enough to continue with any of this. So we're sending you to hospice. So, you know, the doctor tells you three months in, you know, you're, you're going to die and, and there's nothing else we can do for you. And so they send us home to, 
to take care of someone who's very ill with zero experience, zero understanding of what needs to happen. And so the process of trying to figure out how to do that was very overwhelming. And there was a, there was a, uh, like, uh, um, violent pivot in there mm-hmm. of we're going from a great way to say like it. we are all hands on deck saving Ken's life yep to um we have to care for him as he is very very quickly deteriorating and yep. dying right in front of us and I I think yep. I think that is so good for us to remember that that many kinds of loss come with trauma mm-hmm and I'm not and that's such a um that layer is is yeah. that's a whole other thing we've got to be dealing with and thinking about and yeah. um, and I think that's true. I think that is what what happened for you guys. And you're coming out of not just losing this person mm-hmm. and the, and all of that that means, but also what you experienced in the midst of caring for him there at the end. And right. um, that's its own kind of recovery and yeah. processing. Yeah, it's it's actually been very helpful to label it as trauma. Yeah. Um, in some ways, it feels like yeah, this this happens to people every day, and this is what it's like. But I do think like the it was it was a trauma. Like we all experienced a trauma, and it's been helpful to say that to yes. ourselves, to each other, to say it's not just that we lost Ken, it's that. We were all traumatized in the middle of that. And that's why we're having trouble, right? Yeah. There's so there's yeah. a lot of reasons to be having trouble and one of them is that this was tra- this was traumatic. And okay, so let's talk about trauma really quick. Mm-hmm. Okay. So so what is trauma? How does someone know if they've been through something traumatic? And then like how do we move through trauma? Or what mm-hmm. do we need if how do we identify if that's a part of our loss experience? Yeah. I, th- I think that maybe maybe one way to look at that is that trauma is something that in some ways shouldn't happen. Do you know what I mean? Like um, if you if you if you get abused as a child, if you are violated by someone, um, these are experiences that the that the human brain doesn't have the capacity to deal with mm. well, right? Like we're not these are not normal experiences. These are not normal stresses. These are things that are beyond what we have the capacity to deal with. This should our... not be a part of the human experience. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's something that is particularly taxing for okay. the body, for the mind, for the soul. And there are a million kinds of trauma, but I think certainly watching someone die can be very traumatic. It can it can be less certainly certainly less traumatic or even perhaps peaceful if it's like someone who's older, someone who's been suffering, mm-hmm. someone, you know, I, we've certainly experienced that with uh, other people in our lives where, gosh, we're, we're relieved that so-and-so passed because they've been suffering for so mm-hmm. long and it was a gift and they went very peacefully and everyone feels relieved for them, relieved for the situation. It's like, oh gosh, that actually feels like a natural passing Mm-hmm. Um, Everyone's around their hospital bed, holding hands, singing hymns, yeah. and ushering them into the next yeah. life. Yeah, right? and it yes. feels like, oh, that's as it yeah, should as be. As it should be, right? right. But right. I think when something happens that is not as it should be, mm-hmm. if that makes mm-hmm. sense, and obviously that's kind of vague, but um, when these large things happen, we don't really have the capacity or the experience to handle them well, and they're 
overwhelming in a in a particularly overwhelming sort of way where there isn't like there isn't a category to put that in oh we had a car accident well that happened because we were driving too fast sure yeah you know yeah um yeah i just i just looked up the definition of trauma and i think it's super helpful a deeply distressing or disturbing experience an emotional shock following a stressful event or physical injury so that describes a, a lot of things that we go through right like I think, I think your experience was traumatic, right? Like a sudden, a sudden shift in your reality that you didn't see coming, didn't want, couldn't control. Yeah, you don't have any control over. No control. You don't have a say, right? You don't have a say in this, and so it. Mm-hmm. So you. So to me, sometimes trauma feels like a little bit of a trap, like you get trapped. Yeah. Because you didn't have a say, and something's happening, mm-hmm. and there, there's nothing you can really do about it. Right. So you're trapped. Yeah. And you're stuck living through something that you don't have any control over. And that's obviously very disturbing. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, there's just, there's just not a lot that you can do about your situation. And yet you are stuck in it. Yeah. So then, so when we're going through the, when we're going through grief and we add the layer of trauma, a person might feel a little more stuck, maybe. Mm -hmm. Is that, would you say? Yeah, I mean, I think um, anytime we are put in a place where we feel helpless or powerless, usually what it's doing is bringing up old mm. experiences of helplessness and powerlessness. And so we're often dealing with those on top of it, like the layers, right? Like it creates these layers of like, oh my gosh. Um, and we might revert to old coping strategies or get really paralyzed. It's like, you know, I had, ex- I had overwhelming experiences as a child. I'm feeling helpless again. As a child, I wasn't able to do anything. I just got paralyzed or frozen. Yeah. Um, and so now I'm frozen again, right? So that that's very common when these kinds of things happen is we just like lay dead and wait for it to be over. Right. 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 Like hoping that time will pass and we'll, we'll do better. And so it, it's hard sometimes to rally ourselves and go like, gosh, a terrible thing is happening to me, but I, I somehow have to stay in this for myself, for my people, for the situation. And, and how do I pull that off when my insides are screaming, mm-hmm. what is happening yeah. to my life? Yeah. So for you, um, you were saying it's, it's, um, it's been helpful and clarifying to, lab- to label this or to identify what's happened as um as trauma or that a a component of this was very traumatizing to you guys so for you how um how are you like addressing or um healing from Mm -hmm. the aspects of this that were traumatizing yeah yeah i think i think labeling it that way helps me give myself a lot of grace and it also suggests gosh i need to i need to take good care of myself because of the trauma, right? So it sort of gives me permission to take care of myself. Mm. And a lot of this has to do with like my personality. Like other other people might react to these kinds of things very differently and do a much better job at like doing the things they need to do for themselves. But um, because I'm an Enneagram too, and I'm always pushing and I'm always like always worrying about everyone, over-responsible for others, under-responsible for mm-hmm. myself. This is another go-round of me abandoning myself and having to come back around to that again. Like, this is not going to serve you or the people you love 
if you do not focus on what you need as well. Yes. So that's been a big part of what I've been trying to do. Um, you know, now that now that it's it's over is to say to the people who love me, what should I be doing? Mm-hmm. Like like the other day, um, my sweet friend Ruby said to me, "We're gonna go to the makeup store, and we're gonna we're gonna work on your face." <laughs> she, didn't say, she didn't say it like that at all, but she's like, "Let's let's like let's take care of you. Let's take care of your skin. Let's go buy you some really nice products That's to take beautiful. care of yourself." And yeah. and so she just took me to a beauty store and. I sat in a chair and she gave me a makeover and I'm like, oh, I look, I look beautiful. Mm. Well, that's very lovely, Rubes. She just told me what to buy and I bought everything she told me to buy. And there's just a lot of that. My friend Debbie's like, I'm coming over. We're going for a walk. Great, because I was going to watch another seven episodes of something on Netflix. <laughs> and, you know, I think we need to get outside. Like, that's probably a great idea, yeah. right? Or, yeah. you know, um, I, I need the people who love me to tell me what to do right now because yeah. I have a little trouble taking care of myself. And my kids are doing that for me too. It's like saying, mom, mom, you need, you need to sit down. This is not important to do right now. I'm like, oh, okay, great, great. (laughs) And so trusting others because I am less trustworthy, um, when, when I'm not doing well Mm -hmm. and, um, I'm going to always be in overdrive, you know, like painting the living room the other night. That was, oh my gosh, we have to talk about that. (laughs) So you guys, okay. I'm here staying with Elaine for a few days, and um, so she has half of her living room. There was like an accent wall that's mm-hmm. painted this dark, gorgeous, deep, moody, charcoal gray. Mm-hmm. The peppercorn. Peppercorn. Get it. Look it up, okay? <laughs> and it's gorgeous. And the other whole three quarters of her living room was what color? Like a like a um, latte color. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A very boring latte color. Boring, but okay. <laughs> So she's kind of, I'm not going to say manically walking around her living room for a couple of days, but Mm -hmm. I mean, one could use that word. Sure. I think that's fair. She's looking at her living room and she's like, don't you think I should paint the whole living room peppercorn? The entire, you know, all the, all the walls. And I was like, yeah, that's a great idea. I love the color. It looks sophisticated. It's going to create this whole like vibe in here. Mm -hmm. But I'm thinking like she's going to, oh, I'm going to call a painter, you know, because she's got (laughs) vaulted ceilings in this room. She's got a giant fireplace in the middle of one of these walls that has a vaulted ceiling. So I'm thinking, oh, cool. She's going to call a painter. She's going to, she's on it. Lickety split. She knows what she needs. She knows what she needs to do. She's going to get somebody in here to paint these. I did call the painter, but he did not call me back immediately. He did not call her back immediately. So the next strategy is to walk around the living room and ask me in the span of 90 minutes, seven times, (laughs) do you know where I can get a really tall ladder? And this is when I knew I'm powerless in this situation. <laughs> the only thing I can do is, is just support Elaine and help her to not hurt herself. That's so nice. So do you think that um, the guy coming over to mow the lawn has a large ladder? No, Elaine, I do not think he has a large <laughs> ladder in his truck. So finally, she's asking, where can we get a large ladder? Where can we get... And I'm trying to distract her with like, look, th- these are yummy chocolates or... <laughs> Hey, Which usually <laughs> works. Why don't we watch uh, Big Little Lies together? <laughs> but she's just staring at that wall and staring at that wall. So finally, I say, I think your neighbor, Jeff and Hillary, I think they probably have Genius. a really tall ladder. And you were right. So, so I leave for five minutes, you guys. I leave the house for five minutes. And the next thing I know, there's two giant ladders <laughs> in Elaine's living room. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you, Jeff. So, But Jeff says, Elaine... <laughs> 
um, just why don't you wait until Leanna gets uh-huh. back to uh-huh. start this project? It's like, how are you going to paint this area where, like, you have to put a letter on a mantle, on a, sorry, a heart. A heart. How are you going to paint that area? And what are you going to do there? And I can tell he's feeling worried. He doesn't doesn't know me real well, but I think he's getting a clear picture of what might be happening. It's like, why don't you wait until (laughs) Leanna comes We're all feeling real worried because we all know what's coming. The heart that's like three feet off the ground, you guys, Uh she's going to put a ladder up on that, lean it against this vaulted ceiling wall, and she's going to get up on that and paint the top of the ceiling. Okay, Uh so this is happening. Like, I I know this this is now happening. The train has left the station, Okay. So anyway, we we were up till midnight, 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 um, painting the walls. I was not painting anything. I was watching the Lady Gaga documentary um, <laughs> with one eye and like holding Elaine's butt up on this ladder with the other eye and making exactly. sure, you know, and, and uh, yeah, she did it. She did it. I, I did. And my living room looks amazing. It's gorgeous. It's it not was the, the right best call. painting job because I was a little bit anxious because even I Were knew. Were you? Oh, yeah. really? <laughs> even I knew that this was a bad idea. But once I start something, I cannot stop. That's true. It had to be done. All this to say. All this to say. Sometimes are the ways that we're coping with things, you know, yeah. are we're a little manic and we yeah. need to just like, we've got to paint the living room walls at midnight mm-hmm. and that's going to help us deal, right? <laughs> just did. make sure you have a friend to hold the ladder, all yeah. that to say. Yeah. Yeah. But, and it, it's, you guys, it's, we should, you should post a picture. <laughs> it's should. gorgeous. I think I will. I think I will. It's gorgeous. And it was, well, I, I don't know if it was worth it, but. It, I think it was. Yeah. And you're okay. I, d- I do feel bad about. You know, Leanna's, our friend Lindsay was also here, and I. it was very clear that I, w- I was making both of them very anxious, but I could not stop. It was an I, unsafe situation. <laughs> I'm just going to tell you that in retrospect. It was super unsafe. I was but sweating I the entire time. Stop. It's why I, yeah, I had to have Lady Gaga on because I was like, oh my gosh. Calm I yourself can't, down. Yeah, I can't yeah. focus too much on this. I'm sorry I did that to you. But it, it actually helped me. Yeah. It, it, it was a bad idea, but it helped yeah. me. Okay. So maybe what we're saying here is let's like stop short of like super dangerous and destructive, but yes. sometimes we need to do some things to a let little, out. Shake it out. Shake it out. Let yeah. out some of the trauma. Yeah. Let out some of the stress. Let out yeah. some of the things that are pent up inside of yeah. us. And, yeah. And also, I also think a component of that was for you, I need to change my space a little yes. bit. Yeah. Like I've gone through this thing and I need to change my space a little bit, which uh-huh. I think is actually, I like that. And I wanted to support you in that. And I feel yeah. like you, you needed that. Like I need to refresh this space because yeah. it will help me cope. Mm-hmm. And also I need something beautiful and right. visually different to look at. And right. I think that's a part of your healing in general as a human being. Yeah. It's something I've always used yep. to calm myself down or to... Um, yeah, doing something creative is really important yeah. for me in terms of my own healing and process. So, yeah, as crazy as it was, it was super helpful yeah. to me. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that the other thing that, like, was really big in terms of being helpful was uh, my people were spectacular, right? Like, you came across the country 700 times to... <laughs> be with us and support us and be with Ken and so you could say goodbye to him like all of that it was remarkable the efforts that you made to be with us and how helpful it was for my kids Hmm. um, for you to be here for to me for you to be here and you know the just the people in our lives who just had the capacity to do this and I noticed very quickly that 
there were there were some folks who didn't have the capacity mm. who wanted to be part of this with us, but really it was too hard for them. And that ended up making it too hard for us to be around them. Mm-hmm. And so I think early on, while this is not usually not easy for me to do, I was able to say no to um, some folks who wanted to sort of be a part, but actually weren't helpful yeah. because they, they were too anxious or um, this was causing stuff for them. Right. was bringing up stuff for them. And it's actually like, I don't have the energy to take care of you in the middle of this. Like, I'm on the verge of losing my mind today. Like, I can't I can't take care of you right. and take care of Ken and my kids and all of this at the same time. So it became super clear, like, who we needed yep. to be around yep. and who, and, and, and that that was it, right? Like, those were the people we were going to do this with. And um, then being able to say no, there were a couple of times I asked people to leave because it was just like, I just, you know, it's just too much. It's just yeah. too much. Yeah. We just need our family time. And then um, asking people for help, like that's generally hard for me to do, but it became so obvious that if I don't call in the troops, yeah. we're not going to do this well. Like Ken's brother came and stayed with us. Like Josh and I were, Josh, Josh moved home um, for almost the entire time. And, um, you know, we were like, we were losing our minds yeah. right in the beginning because it was just the two of us for a while. And it was clear that like this was, you know, Ken couldn't walk at that point. He couldn't, you know, we couldn't, He, you know, we were trying to take him to the bathroom and all these kinds of things. And um, we just needed more hands. We needed more yeah. muscle. And Ken's brother, Alan, came and would would help us all day long and then send us to bed. Hmm. And stay up with him all night. Like, we're just like, how are you doing it? And he yeah. did that for two weeks. Wow. Just like, and, and I felt guilty about like, I should stay up. I should be the one. At, but it was so helpful to for Alan to say, go to bed. Yeah. Go to yeah. bed. I'll take the night shift. And, and then you guys will be back on in the morning. It was very helpful to have people with that kind of capacity. Also asked my nephew Kyle to come. And my niece Tiffany are both like high capacity, like jump in. Yep. You know, Kyle with his notebook about, you know, the hospice nurse would come in and say, where is Kyle? Because I need to discuss medication with Kyle. Yeah, and it's beautiful, you guys, to watch this whole crew mm-hmm. operating together like this. Yeah. This just, it was beautiful. Yeah. yeah. My niece Tiffany is just, again, high capacity, yeah. just like can handle a million things, uh, all the intensity and, and wanted to be here with her uncle, wanted to take care of him, wanted to wanted to be a part of all of that. Like it was, the crew was, could not have been more tender. There were a lot of times when I would sit around and and look at, you know, we spent almost our entire lives in the living room um, beside Ken. And I remember thinking so many times, this is exactly the right crew. Everyone who's here is making this better, easier. Um, And that felt remarkable to have that kind of help and support to have that kind of crew. And, and being able to process the emotions, not just take care of him, but being able to process the emotions where, like, you know, one of us would start to cry, and then soon, soon the whole room would be crying, and we would all just sit and grieve together, and then it would pass, and then somebody's pouring rosé and <laughs> cracking jokes and, yeah, like, right. there frying bacon. Right, there was laughing, too, right? Yeah. There was laughing and taking care of each other and crying yeah. and just... Being in the rawness of it together, yeah. that's what I observed or what I even experienced when the times that I was here too is like, 
we were we could move in and out of it all together and yeah and that's a gift and i think i think you know if you can um you know be particular about Mm -hmm. who is helping you in the middle of your loss right in the middle of your grieving like saying no to people that are just creating creating more stress for you yeah um someone said to me several times they said to me when this is all over you're going to be all alone and i'm like why are you saying that to me and i i wish now that i would say look around you look around do i yeah. look alone to you yeah I'm right i'm just um you know so people are projecting their own fears and their own um their own stuff on your experience and and so allowing myself to just create some distance they're like oh this is actually about you i don't actually need to think about being all alone because i am not all alone yeah. Yeah. Um, that's really you and your fears. And so I'm just going to sort of push that back across the table and let you worry about that. And that is such a good point mm. about when someone's trying to push all this stuff across the street or across mm-hmm. the table and they need you to answer questions for them right. and, to, and to process this for them because right. for some reason they're not able to. It's heaping a burden on you that's different that when people are walking beside you in something mm-hmm. and they're able to hold their own experience and grief, and for some reason you can sense that they're not asking you to hold it for them or make right. sense of it for them, right. they're with you, yeah. right? But it doesn't feel like they're pushing their stuff onto onto you. I remember that so vividly. Mm. Um, I remember uh, just saying, maybe I even said this to you early on um, in the in this process for, for me, um, was it, the the hardest thing at times was not dealing with my own sense of loss. It was having the conversations with people who were not processing how this loss yeah. was affecting them mm-hmm. and needed to talk to me. Yeah. And I I understand what you're saying. You have so to push hard. that back across the table and say that is your work. Mm-hmm. Whether you say this to them or not, yeah, you have to become clear. Like I do not have the capacity or energy to process this for you, to move you to a point of acceptance. That's the work you have to do. Mm-hmm. And so I, I need to kind of keep that on your side of the street, right? right. Because right. those are the conversations that will take you down. And yeah. those are the people that will take you down because yeah. they're not processing it for themselves and they're asking you to do it for them. And that's yeah. never going to work, right. right? Yeah, especially with a divorce in your case where people are like, people are always wanting to know why did this happen? And they're wanting to figure out who we can blame right. for this, right? Who's responsible, right? And so because the last can... thing you need is that. Go ahead. Yeah, it's like if we can figure out why this is happening, then we can fix it, yes. right? And, right, right. And so I, I think there was a lot of that. And I, I don't blame anyone. I think that that's, that tends to be a natural human response. It was my human response. Of course, it's my marriage, right? Mm-hmm. If I can figure out what's going on here and figure out the dynamics and why this is happening, then I can fix it. Right. Well, I think that ended up, you're, you're saying what's help, what was helpful and what was not helpful, that ended up being really unhelpful. Mm-hmm. Like if we can just mm-hmm. figure this out, mm-hmm. then we can fix it. And that's, divorce is different in death and in that way because death is final, right? Mm-hmm. Once it's done, it's done. Mm-hmm. And um, certainly there was a lot of wanting to try to figure out what was going on with Ken and fix it. And then at right. some point, it's it ends. Yeah, yeah. There's nothing else to do. 
And I think that has been the prolonged, the mm-hmm. last two, two years, the prolonged thing in my life is how, how, how can I fix it? And then mm-hmm. other people how, sort of putting that mantle on of yeah. how are we going to fix this, yeah. you know? And I think one of the most important things for me, um, and I think maybe it's just now I'm really, really grounding into this, is that I truly have no control over another human being. Mm-hmm. Sometimes there are things that no matter what fantastic argument you come up with, you can't fix. And um, to focus on my own path of acceptance instead of trying to, um, you know, how can we change or fix this? Yeah. And the more energy we pour into the black hole of quote unquote fixing something, Mm -hmm. that's only prolonging our process of acceptance. Yeah. Yeah. And it really, it really sort of, uh, ignites everybody's desire or need to control life yeah right and so right they're they're trying to figure out how 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 can we create more control in a situation where there's chaos and life just doesn't allow for that right like life is going to happen to us and we don't have control over a million things um one of the things that a number of people have asked me are you mad at god that this Mm, happened and it's good yeah i just like i just I just don't see any value in that. Like, I just, I don't relate to that. Like, Mm. people get cancer and people die. And lovely people get cancer and die. Things that shouldn't happen, happen all the time. And, but to be mad at God for life happening as life does, it doesn't make any sense. There's there's no point in me trying to figure out why. Because there is no answer to why other than this is what happens yeah this is what happens to human beings and so it doesn't serve me to get lost in trying to figure out did we deserve did we not deserve is there something we did is there, you know it's just like right. terrible right. things happen terrible things happen the best we can do is figure out who we're going to be in the middle of the terrible thing that's mm. happening and to accept it to yeah. just accept that is so it's huge and and you know, acceptance takes time. It took, I think it's taken, if I, if I put our, if I put Mm -hmm. our journeys next to each other, I feel like my, my point of acceptance has taken a long time. Mm -hmm. And I I guess on on some level it takes what it takes, you know, but I think it's important to say that, you know, that's kind of the last stage of grief is acceptance. And we know we're moving through grief. We know we're actually grieving Mm -hmm. when we, when we start to feel like I'm accepting this I'm coming to a place where I say, this is my reality. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's fair. I don't know if yeah. it's unfair. I don't know if I deserve it or I could have changed it. I don't know any of that. Yeah. But this is what's happening. Right. This is what, since this is happening, Yeah. there's a lot of days where I had to start my day out with that mm-hmm. to try to practice acceptance. Mm-hmm. Since this is happening, since I'm getting divorced, mm-hmm. what do I need to do today? Yeah. What do I need to think about? What support do I need? Mm-hmm. Instead of focusing so much energy on how I could change it or how I could have done something differently or how I could fix things because it was clear those that those were not actual options. Right. right. Since this is happening or since this has happened, what do I need to do? Yeah. I, I want to say something else that I think for me um, has been helpful. Mm-hmm. And that is that when, um, when all this first started happening in my life, I... Um, 
my immediate reaction was, I just lost the last 15 years of my life. Mm, yeah. I remember thinking that. I just lost yeah. the last 15 years. I don't know if you relate to that. Like, yeah. I just lost the last, you know, however many years of my mm-hmm, life. Mm-hmm. And um, very quickly, I just realized that that was not going to be a helpful mantra. <laughs> yeah, right, right. <laughs> you know? and, and it's not true. And it's not true. It's not That's true. That's the point. So yeah. I think the for me, what's been helpful is to realize that just because something is over yeah. doesn't mean that it's gone mm-hmm. or erased. Mm-hmm. And so um, while my marriage is over, those 15 years are not gone. Mm-hmm. I have beautiful children from that relationship. I have incredible experiences, uh, memories. Mm-hmm. Um and so it's it's been helpful to realize that in, in for all of us, because a season is over doesn't mean it's gone, and we don't just erase that part of our life. You right. know, it co- it comes with, and how can we bring it with us in a way that serves us moving forward? And say that was a season, and that was a part of my life, and it was a beautiful part of my mm-hmm. life. And how you know, yeah, how do I move forward? I, th- I think it. Uh, I think it really brings to light this reality that, like, um, I am. I am just me, right? Like at the end of the day, I am just me, and I'm responsible for what I'm doing with my one and only life. And people and experiences are coming and going. And at the end of the day, it's me. It's like, what am I doing? Where, where's my journey? What's the trajectory of my journey? And so we can we can have these big losses of really important relationships and still be like I'm actually still moving forward yeah. like bad things are happening things that I didn't want things that I couldn't control and yet if I look at my trajectory I'm I'm pressing into my own growth day after day I'm trying to press into my own growth and at the end of the day it's it's really all just me right yeah. like I am yeah. responsible for me and what my journey looks like and I can't control all the other things and people. And so the experiences that you had during the relationship, the ways that you grew in that relationship, those are all with you. Yes. You're carrying them with you. And I feel that very much about um, my relationship with Ken is, you know, one of the things that I said at at his service was he left me stronger than he found me. Hmm. And um, I think Ken had played a huge part in, um, me sort of finding my way because he was he was my biggest cheerleader. He yes. was like, of course you're going to write a book. Of course you're going to open your own business. Of course you're going to, you know, like there was always this like, of course you're going to do that. And I'm going to help, I'm going to figure out how to help you do that. Yeah. And and so he played a big part in in helping me get to where I am in terms of my ability to take risks and my... Uh, understanding of myself, what I'm capable of, what I'm not, what I'm good at, what I'm not. He helped me define that. And those things are not gone because he's gone. Those things are cemented inside yes. me and yes. they carry me forward. And, um, you know, my my hope is that I just keep moving forward yeah. um, because those things, those were gifts that he gave me. And even, even the parts of our relationship were, that were hard gave me gifts as well. They taught me a lot of things. And those things are still with me. Yeah, so we, we just keep moving forward. And, that, and, and I think what I'm hearing you say is that there's a self that is, that is deeper than all yes. the things that happen to us. Yes. There is a self inside of us that is 
that is there right. in the center of us. And these circumstances are sometimes shake us to our very core, yeah. but nothing can really completely erase that self. Mm-hmm. And we have that part of us that, um, is going to be there. Mm-hmm. It's going to be there no matter what. Mm-hmm. One of the things I've noticed, Elaine, is that you have spent years cultivating a rich life. You've invested in relationships with your children. You've invested in relationships with friends and family members. You have built a beautiful business practice. um, And you've cultivated yourself and these relationships. And what I have observed is that then when you went through this trauma and this deep loss, all of that investment came back to you Mm. and that you have, you've cultivated all these areas of your life and now they're, they're here for you. Mm -hmm. And, um, it's never too late to just make investments in the people around you and in the, um, the things that you want to do with your life, because then when we go through these unexpected things, they catch us, Yeah, they catch us, you know, and I'm just watching that happen for you. Mm. Yeah, for sure. You all caught me and my kids. Yeah. And your work. And I see work. your work yeah. also kind of kind of um, being there for you mm-hmm. as something that you can turn to and come back to yourself and like, okay, yeah, I'm still me. Yeah. You know, I felt that yesterday teaching that workshop. You know, mm. there's times where I'm like, oh, you know, where am I and who am I? And then right. I, I stand up for three hours and talk about writing with people that are in it and excited yeah. and asking great questions. And I'm like, oh, there you are. Yeah. There you are. You're still yeah. in there. You're still in there, and that's what I thought watching you do it. Oh, there she is. There she is. Yeah. And how profound those experiences are. But I mm-hmm. think it's about um, cultivating these pieces and parts of ourselves so that they're there to catch us. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. And returning to them, actively returning to them. That's what you're doing. You're not jumping back into your practice sixty hours a week, mm-hmm. but you're going back and you're doing things that are you. Mm-hmm. Um, because these are the things that are, you've cultivated that are an essential part of your life. You're yeah. spending time with your kids, intentional time. You're you're going back to your work, and it's it's moving you along. Mm-hmm. I think it's part yeah. of your healing. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and this sort of takes us to the idea of like how how has it affected our identity? These mm-hmm. big losses, mm-hmm. like neither of us have a partner anymore, right? Which is real right. weird. Yeah. Right. Yes. Like. That's a shift to think of myself as a single person. Yeah. I, that doesn't make sense to me yet. I imagine someday I will feel like a single person. I still feel married yeah. right now. Yeah. But like, you know, that's weird. We don't have that partner anymore. And how does that change how we see ourselves? How does it change our identity? And some of that is how does it change the way we think other people are seeing us, right? Yes. How do we fit 100%. into society mm-hmm. you know how do we where do we fit into like the social um, aspects of life and um, where do we belong yeah you know I think you've you and I've talked about that like how does this affect our sense of where we belong or how other people see mm-hmm. where we belong yeah. um, and I think those are those are secondary losses mm-hmm. or changes or shifts that um, come with these other yeah. um, kind of primary losses is right. we didn't just lose the relationship. We lost a lot of elements that um, positioned yeah. us right 
in this world. <laughs> right. Yeah, I'm kind of used to being Ken's sidekick, right? right? Like, right. I just sort of follow him around. Yeah. He decides what we're going to do in a lot of ways. And I'm just like, sure, great. You just tell me where to be. And, and so in that way, um, you know, that's going to be real different. Um, I think one of the things I've noticed is that people have, what we were saying about how people perceive that is that I can sometimes feel from other people, whether I'm reading this right or wrong, um, the expectation that I would fall apart, hmm. that I would be completely devastated by this, that I would like sell my house and, and sell my business and I don't know, move into a home or something. Yeah, <laughs> like, right, right. And, and I, my, my, when I feel that, I have this reaction of like, you don't even know me. <laughs> you don't even know me, right? Like there's a part of me that like gets fired up yeah. when I feel like people people have like this expectation that like because you've lost Ken and he was such a huge presence um, that I would disappear. Yeah, that you're going to collapse. I'm going to collapse. Gonna, yeah, disappear is yeah. a good word. That's a good word. Yeah. yeah. And it's just been interesting to feel my reaction to that. And and then there's also guilt that I feel like I'm not going to collapse, right? Like, am I supposed to collapse? Like, am mm. I supposed to fall apart? And it's been very helpful to sit with friends and say, these are the thoughts that I'm having. Do they sound insane to you? Mm-hmm. And have them go, no, that makes perfect sense. You know, people who knew Ken and be like, yeah, of course, of course you feel that. Of course, of course you're moving forward. Yeah. That's, you're, you're still you. You're still you. You're still you. Yeah. The rest yeah. of your life is still here. Ken is gone, but the rest of your life, your friendships, your work, your ideas, your creativity, your dreams, all yes. of those things are still here. Your yeah. children. Your grandchildren, oh, the new babies, right? The new babies. All, all the rest of my life is still here. That's right. And sure, there is a huge hole, but I'm not going to collapse. I don't think I'm not going to fall apart. I'm going to grieve, and I'm going to be disoriented sometimes. Yeah. I'm going to be a little scattered. I'm going to feel anxious. I'm going to feel confused, but. I am not going to disappear. I'm not going to collapse. I'm going to move forward. Yeah. And there's a, um, in this very profound way, it, this is actually um, a process of coming home to yourself. Mm. I have found this for myself. And I think this is true for you as well. Mm. That, that you're going to come home to yourself in a whole new way, yeah. in a deeper way, because you're going to go through um, this extraordinary loss and realize that you're still you are still you. At the end of the day, you're you're potentially even a clearer and stronger version of you. Mm-hmm. Having gone through this, it clarifies what you want, what you need, what's what's important to you. Yeah. What yeah. matters to you in life. That feels really true. I hadn't thought about it quite like that, but I feel like what you're saying feels that resonates of like there's something in the middle of this that is a little bit energizing in some kind of way. It's like, yeah, I do feel super clear yes. about a lot of things. Yeah. And I think once, I think loss, while it is it is terribly disorienting, they talk about, you know, they talk about your, your life is, you go through seasons in life of orientation, disorientation, mm-hmm. and reorientation, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So this is a season of disorientation, but as you come through it, it reorients you and there's some kind of a 
trial by fire clarity that comes out of that. And you also, your capacity for BS has diminished much more significantly. Things things sort of snap into focus a little bit. Mm -hmm. And I I, I completely agree with what you're saying. There are days where you are far more disoriented. Mm -hmm. But I think as you go through these, these giant experiences we can come out the other end with a reorientation yep. that is so focused and so clear. And I, I know what it is I want. Mm-hmm. I understand that um, nothing is guaranteed to me in life. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to go for this thing that I want, or I'm going to, I'm going to lean into my love for these people that much stronger, yeah. or I'm going to lean into this, um, this dream of mine that much stronger. Mm-hmm. And it's somehow like, we wake up. Mm-hmm. We just woke up, mm-hmm. you know, and we were drifting along and doing life and doing great. And then all of a sudden this thing happened and it, and, and it wakes you up. And there is a gift in that. I, yeah. I don't know that um, you don't wish it upon anyone. Sure. Sure. But there's, there is a gift in that. Yeah. Yeah. And I see that in you too, but you know, as over these last couple of years going through all of this and how, difficult and challenging it's been and yet you're still you mm-hmm. you're still moving forward you're still doing the work you love you're still showing up with genius ideas and clear and engaged and continuing continuing stronger more beautiful way mm-hmm. and that's been really cool to watch that like Shit's going to happen to us, but we will not collapse. We will not disappear because that's not in our DNA. We, we don't roll like that. That's right. <laughs> and, actually, it, and actually, we can come through this as a more grounded, a grounded version of ourselves yeah. and get in touch even more deeply yeah. with who we are and what we want. Yeah. You know, and that, yeah, that's just that's a really, remarkable thing. It is. It you is. watch, you, you let go of someone that you love and have been so committed to you. And I, I, and then that snaps some things into focus in your life. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I think you're really cementing all these things that you've, that, that can help you build mm-hmm. and all these parts of your life that have been growing. But I think that in the process of saying goodbye to Ken, it's really cemented for you. Like. This is who I am. Yeah. This is what I want. And we're going to have to rest. Right. And we're right. going to have to take we a break. We are exhausted. And for we're going to sure. have to get on a ladder and paint a wall once in a while. <laughs> right? We're going to have to do some crazy stuff. Yeah. But um, like, for example, we're doing this retreat in October mm, in Orcas. Mm, can't wait. Yeah. Right? Like we're going to go to Orcas Island and we're going to do this retreat. And Ken is going to... Ken's going to be there yeah. in spirit and yeah. he's going to be so proud of you. Yeah. And it's almost like, you know, we had Ken's memorial service practically and the next day. You were like, okay, let's plan our retreat, you know, <laughs> yeah. in the sense yeah. that it's like now I, I have this new <clears throat> newfound focus mm-hmm. and I know what I need to do to feed my soul. And I know why I'm on this earth to help feed other souls. Yeah. And, and in a way you feel almost more compelled to now do just, let's just do it. Yeah. What are we waiting for? Yeah. What are we waiting for? Right. Let's do it. Let's do it. And, um, yeah, I think that Orcas retreat's a perfect <laughs> example of that of like, okay, there's, what are we waiting for? Let's yeah. roll. Yeah, exactly. And I think I think there's this combination of things that feel very grounded and moving forward, like this, these retreat ideas that we that we're pursuing, 
And then there's the crazy manic stuff like, you know, <laughs> painting the living room. And it's and all of just, it. It's all of it. And allowing, allowing myself to be both of those things, to be grounded and have great ideas, and then to also be a little nuts. And I'm going to do both of those things. But I... I do love I do love that I have the energy to move forward. I, that's been really exciting to see in myself that I have this energy to move forward. I'm really excited about these ideas we have about yeah. things we want to do on Orcas Island. And um, you know, we we just did uh, Leanna did a couple workshops at the Soul Care Barn yesterday, and the people that showed up for that, oh my mm. gosh, they were just so remarkable and we're like we got to do more things to bring these people together yeah. so they can enjoy each other and connect with each other and uh, I don't know I just got real energized by that experience and it's really lovely to feel that yeah you know in the after... midst of loss right yes, that, that there's yeah. also there's remarkable people and there's remarkable life still happening right. and we need reminders of that in the right. midst because there's going to be days and you're exactly right how many days and what you don't see on a po- podcast is this. Mm-hmm. You don't see on a podcast Elaine at 11:30 up on a ladder, you know, right. and you don't see on a podcast podcast the afternoons where I have to get in bed yeah. over the last 2 years, yeah. which are so many. Yeah. You know, and the days where I look at my bed and I think if I get in that bed I'm never going to get out, mm-hmm. you know, because I just I'm exhausted, mm-hmm. you know, and then but you do. You you lay down for 30 minutes and you get up right. and you keep going right. and it's okay. But yeah, there's going to be days where it just, you know, the engine's got to idle for a little bit. Right. Yeah. And, and allowing yourself, allowing yourself to be both to be falling apart some days and then other days to go, you know, I think I'm drinking too much wine and I need to take a break. (laughs) I think I'm eating too much sugar. I think I'm right. I'm really self-medicating in some ways that are not serving me. And can I give myself a little break from those things and see how it feels to like, let the dust clear a little bit and... What do I need? Yeah. How, how do I need to what take care of myself right yeah. now? Yeah. Um, and I think that's a good thing for anybody listening is, is giving ourselves permission to, um, to, to run when all of a sudden mm-hmm. you have this wonderful idea yeah. or this energy or this newfound clarity that's yeah. come to you because of this loss and to give yourself the permission to move into that. Right. And then two weeks later or one minute later, give yourself the permission to say, and now I need to rest. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, not worrying about what other people might think yeah. about that ebb and flow, right? Like, I think sometimes I feel a little guilty that, like, yes. I have this energy and I have excitement yeah. about moving forward. Well, maybe you should, you know, be... Maybe be, you should be in black. Yeah, for Elaine, a good you know, six months right. before you come up with another great idea. Yeah. Right, yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. But that's not, yeah. that's not authentic. It's not... I do have the energy today. And tomorrow, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what will happen tomorrow, but... Today I have a lot of energy and there's lots of exciting things I want to still try. Yeah, and that's, I think also that's, uh, um, like I just think of of you saying the other day, you know, I kind of keep thinking, where is Ken? Yeah, yeah. I know. I wish I knew. Right, we wish we knew exactly (laughs) where Ken was. But there are moments, especially as I hear you talk, where I think Ken's close because you mm-hmm. still have this energy and it's there's still yeah. this sense of like he's he's still encouraging you yeah. out the door go Elaine yeah. go you don't you don't need yeah. to sit here for the next six months you know go yeah. yeah yeah it's one of the things he said um in sort of the last the last few times that he was able to talk to us and he said live your life live he your said life. live your life no regrets you know I, I was 
I would say, I was crying and I would say, I'm so sorry, I couldn't save you. I'm so sorry. I didn't, I don't, I don't know how that happened. I'm so sorry. And he said, no regrets, no regrets. Live your life. And he said that to the kids, live your life. You're exactly who you were supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And I'm just so grateful that, you know, the last things that he said were really about helping us see who we were and helping us think about moving forward and that that's what he cared about. He wanted us to move forward. And so that's what, that's what we're doing. It's beautiful. Yeah. You know, um, it was, it was shared at his uh, service that Ken never had a bucket list. Yeah. Yeah. All the things that um, he was going to do before he passed away because, you know, he was always doing, he did them. (laughs) And I think that's rubbed off on all of us that knew him. And certainly Mm -hmm. you more than anyone that there were we don't need to wait around There's yeah. for a day to come when this makes more sense or, right, you know, right. it's like we're, we're not going to put off what we could do and enjoy and yeah. go for today, you know? Yeah. And he was tireless about that. He was. You know? And yeah. I think, um, I think that I see that in you hmm. still, you know, hmm. e- even in the midst of all of this is that it's like, we're not going to, we're not going to put this off. Let's yeah. do it. And Mr. Yeah. Ken would have wanted us to, you for know, sure. For yeah. sure. Yeah. And that's so beautiful. That's wow. so beautiful. Well, thanks for having this conversation with me. And if you're interested in uh, knowing more about um, Orcus Retreats, we're, we're, uh, our first one is this coming October. We've only got actually a couple spots left, which is really fun. It's for ladies this time. Um, but I think we're going to plan some others because it's, it's, uh, it's filling up really fast. For so it, sure just suggest that ladies you know people are needing a way to get away and get into the woods and on the water and really away and that's I think that that's what we love about this property on Orcus that Ken got for us is that it's really a chance to be away and be in the clean air a place to breathe a place place to to really breathe yeah so um we'll be hopefully adding more opportunities um to that but um you can check that out at soulcareorcus.com have a little website going on um yeah thanks for joining us today you guys and um just want to support you in your own journeys and your own experiences with grief and loss and just keep telling you that you're not crazy you're doing the best you can and it's real complicated but you're doing it yeah that's right all right take care bye Okay, guys, thanks so much for listening. Again, I hope that um, something that was shared in that conversation really intersects with where you are in your life right now. Remembering that there's no perfect way to grieve. There's no right or wrong way to walk this path, but that there's things that can be helpful and there's things that can also get in the way of us, um, yeah, just working through the hard seasons of life. And so I hope that that conversation met you and um, just helped you make some sense of anything that's going on in your life. And um, we're looking so forward to uh, kicking off our retreat and you can find us on Instagram. You can follow me or soul care house and barn on Instagram. You can see our pictures of the weekend. So um, appreciate you guys listening. And as always, I like to remind us that there's always a hand reaching towards you. There's always grace available And there's always a chance to begin again.